Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. A hearty welcome to all who have joined us this first Sunday of Advent as we celebrate the joyous Christmas season and the birth of the plan of salvation. A special welcome to all guests that have come to worship with us and experience experience the blessing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also a warm welcome to those who will be listening to the broadcast later in the week. For an opening scripture passage, I was directed to Psalms chapter 19, starting with verse 7. Excuse me. And it's under the heading, The Perfect Revelation of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults, Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. These verses ascribe to the message of the Christmas season, love, joy, peace, and hope, and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we approach your throne of grace with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you that you are the all-sufficient God, meeting all our needs and carrying us when the load gets too heavy for us to bear. We pray that you would reveal your truth and that it will guide us into a real and personal love relationship with you, that we might know you and do your will. May our hearts be prepared to commune with you and we, and we pray that our worship would be pleasing to you, for we ask it in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Call on uh, Marilyn and uh, Helen to lead us in singing. Good morning, everyone. I'm not going to sing alone today. I've asked all the worship leaders to come and join me to sing together, so please come up. And the first song we're going to sing is 122, Joy to the World. Please stand.
The next song is in your bulletin, Zusa die Glocken nie klingen. be seated for the next song, Away in a Manger, is also in your bulletin. Verse, verse 1, verse 2, 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations sh shall flow to it, and many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. 
for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions sake, I will say, peace be with you for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Romans 13, verse 11 to 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexu sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Matthew 24, verse 36 to 44. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept, swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's pray together. As we celebrate the coming of Jesus to earth so many years ago, we thank you, God, for your amazing love that made a way for us to spend eternity with you. Help us to live every day in service and honor to you. Amen. Thank you, Peter and Gisela. Uh, take your bulletins and we'll look at the activities and concerns of life in the church. Next Sunday's activities are listed on top. This week at Winker Berchthaler, there's on Tuesday, that's the women's prayer group, and Wednesday at 2 o'clock, Bible study on Revelation. Focus on missions, our missionaries of the week are Preston Meyer Wheeler, and also the Garden Valley Collegiate Stonehouse, formerly known as ISCF, Interschool Christian Fellowship. Pray for the leaders as they encourage students in their walk with the Lord. Life in the church, uh, we had a membership meeting Monday. The surveys, and uh, in regards to the uh, worship service start time, the surveys taken at our membership meeting on November 21st indicated a strong preference for a 9.30 a.m. start time for our worship services. Church Council has made the decision to continue with a 9.30 start time. Second bullet there, church planning options. Regarding the church planning options that have been presented, a strong preference was indicated for option one, do nothing drastic. We will try to build on that. We invite your participation. And if you have any ideas for growing our church, 
please drop them off in the suggestion box and please sign them. Youth and young adults, uh, event at uh, Pastor Victor and Eileen's on uh, Saturday morning, take note of that. There'll be an Advent hymn sing with a special Black Knight feature on Sunday, December 4th, all invited. Men's prayer breakfast, uh, we're starting a men's prayer breakfast for our church. Uh, it's Wednesday mornings at the Oasis. All men are invited to come. Uh, persons with health needs, Dave Dick, Dora Peters, John Suderman, and Jeremiah Alexier are in Boundary Trails Health Center. I believe Tina Suderman has been released. Expressions of sympathy, Kelly Hebert passed away on Thursday, October 27th. She was a daughter-in-law to Verna Hebert. And I just got received a note that Walter Hebert passed away on November 23rd. His funeral will be held on Tuesday, December 6th. He was a brother-in-law to Verna Hebert. Also, Susan Giesbrecht of Altona passed away on Monday, November 21st. Her funeral will be, was held on uh, November 25th. She was a sister to Anne and Peter Hildebrandt. And Trudy Friesen has moved to Salem home. Also, take note of the birthdays and, and uh, anniversary celebrations. And there are a number of uh, community events. Take a look at them and read them. Just make a note of the uh, 1613 ministry, uh, the needs are there. And uh, uh, also the, the Bible camp. Uh, I'd ask the ushers to come forward. Let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we again approach your throne of grace. We thank you for Jesus, the Savior of our souls, the Lord God Almighty, and the soon coming King, whose birth we celebrate as we enter this joyous Advent season. We bless your holy name. Lord, make us mindful of the millions who do not know you, who are lost without you, and need people like ourselves to intervene on their behalf. Because you have chosen to work through people like ourselves to share this message of salvation. Draw these lost souls to yourself, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit's power. We thank you, Lord, for the divine guidance and the activities of this congregation on a daily basis. May we be mindful of how you intervene in our lives at all times. We bring before you our missionaries, Preston and Meyer Wheeler, as well as the leaders at JVCI Stonehouse. May you be the encourager as they carry out the task to which you have assigned them. May they be found bold and courageous in carrying out your message, and do not let the evil one thwart their efforts. We pray that as a body of believers, we would be in tune with where you are guiding and directing us, that we would be faithful in carrying out your will. We pray for the health needs of people in Boundary Trails Health Center, Dave Dick, Dora Peters, John Suderman, and Jeremiah Alexier, as well as the many others who are struggling with various illnesses in our congregation. We pray for your intervention and healing upon them, and that your will would be done. We thank you where healing has already come. We pray for the Hebert and Giesbrecht families who mourn the loss of loved ones. Be the God of compassion, comfort, strength, and peace as they go through the mourning process and as they have to readjust their lives to this new life without a loved one. Lord, intervene for the many within our church and community who feel lonely, isolated, or uncertain about their well-being. Meet them in their, place, in their place of anxiety and need and deliver them by your hand of grace, mercy, and peace. Undertake for the many in our personal care homes, senior homes, and those with a longing to go home with you. For the many upcoming events and activities that are planned for this church, we give you thanks and pray for your guiding hand of intervention so that things will materialize according to your will. We pray that the youth program and men's prayer breakfast will be a blessing and a time of spiritual growth. Lord, I pray that all who participate in the Lord's Supper this morning will have a meaningful experience with you as we ponder your indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray for all those, the Lord, who are us in authority, our governments, bureaucrats, courts, and justice system. We pray that they would know you and govern and rule in a way that would bring blessing on our nation. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts, tithes, and offerings that flow from your hand. May you multiply them. May they serve the activities and ministries of this church body and the greater Christian community. For this, we thank you. Lord God, we thank you for all those participating in the worship service this morning and for the gifts they bring to this service. We pray your anointing on Pastor Dean as he shares on the subject, the foretelling of the gift.
Open our hearts and minds to the truths of your word so that we can make life applications. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. reading of our scripture passage this morning is found in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. I am reading from the New King James Bible Version. Christ's birth announced to Mary. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. May God bless the reading of his holy word to your heart. Thank you, Estran, for reading that portion of scripture for us. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? That is the Christmas message, that God came into this world incarnate, and he became flesh, he who is the creator, the sustainer, he who is king, who is prophet, who is priest, and who is sacrifice, all combined. He came into this world to become like us and to give his life. And how can it be? I asked Pastor Victor if he would sing that song. That's one of the favorite songs of mine that from the hymns. I love that song. We used to sing that song in college when I was in Corral. I remember the choir director as he uh, talked about the song. There's a part of the song that goes when you come be before God. It is bold I approach the eternal throne. I remember the choir director said, when you sing that, you come and it is with boldness that you sing that out. You approach boldly, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is and that we are covered with his blood. And we can only come into his presence because we are righteous, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a promise. What a wonderful God we serve today. <clears throat> Frederick Fritz Kreisler, Kreisler, and better known as Fritz. Fritz Kreisler, lived from February the 2nd, 1875, to January the 29th, 1962, was an Austrian-born American violinist and composer, one of the most noted violin masters of his day, and regarded as one of the greatest violinists of all times. He was known for his sweet tone and expressive phrasing. This is according to Wikipedia. Now, Adrian Rogers has this to say about him. Fritz Kaiser had the ability, like few people ever born, to play the violin. He had the Stradivarius, Stradivarius violin. A Stradivarius violin is a very rare and beautiful instrument. I went to look it up on the, uh, on, the, on the internet to find out what type of instrument this was. Some of them were first produced in the early 1700s and then forward. And I don't know when they uh, ended the violins, but today they're worth between eight and $20 million. Now this is a long time ago, but the Strata violin, uh, violin is a very rare and beautiful instrument. Let me tell you how he got it. It at one time belonged to an old Englishman Chrysler heard about it and offered to buy it. The man said, the violin is not for sale. Fritz Chrysler was rebuffed. But one day he ventured to the old man's house and he said, if I can't buy it, may I touch it. The old Englishman invited him in. Chrysler picked up the violin and then he tucked it under his chin and began to draw the bow across the strings. And when he did, you could hear laughter of little children. You could hear babies crying. You could hear the birds singing in the trees. You could hear the voices of angels. He played as only a master could play. For about 20 minutes, the old Englishman sat there and great tears began to well up in his eyes and course down his cheeks. He said, 
Kreiser saw that he thought maybe he had gone too far. He said, I'm sorry, but I would so much like to buy this instrument. The old British, Britisher said, it is not for sale, but it is yours. You may have it. It belongs to you. You are the master. You alone are worthy of it. And that's what worship is all about when we come before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the master. He alone is worthy of our lives and nothing else. So what makes Jesus worthy of our worship today? Why is he worthy? Revelations chapter 4, verse 11, and many other verses tell us, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have them have their being. In other words, everything has been created for Jesus, by Jesus, and through him, and the Father worked. There's another reason why Jesus is worthy of our worship. He is the one who gave and came, or gave his life and came into the world to give us eternal life. Jesus' name means salvation. His name means salvation. As the New Testament opens, we come face to face with God sending his son into the world to redeem mankind, you and I. Jesus is the incredible gift that God has given, and without him, there is no way back to God. He is the only way, no other way. You would think that the Almighty would have other options, other options other than sacrificing his one and only son, but he didn't have any options because God is governed by his rules and by who he is. God sent the incredible gift, the incredible gift. Let's define the term incredible gift. Incredible means surpassing belief or too good to be true. It's so unfathomable that it takes one's breath away just thinking about it. It's something so precious that you cannot believe. It would be like being pardoned. You're ready to be executed, and for some reason, someone would come, and they would have an injunction that would say, you do not have to die. It's too good to be true, and in fact, that's what God did for you and I. It's too good to be true that someone would take the punishment, that someone would take our place. It's too good to be true, but it is true. It is true, and it is a gift, something acquired without compensation, something one receives without work or merit. There's nothing you can do to receive it. We're all condemned to death, apart from God, to be eternally lost, but it is a gift. It is a gift. It's an incredible gift. And we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God has given it for everyone who will partake. In the incredible gift, God is sending his son into the world. In his book, Know Your Bible from A to Z, Jim George says this, it is through Jesus' death on a cross, apart from our good works, that we are saved from eternity apart from God. And it is only through Jesus that we can have eternal life. God off, God's offer of salvation is an incredible gift because it is undeserved. Close quote. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you and as we enter the Christmas season, 
as never before we realize how important and relevant is the Christmas story to everybody, especially when we look around and we see all of the disorder that is going around in this world. And we see so much crime, so much hate, wars around the world and difficulties, and yet you came to give peace in the hearts of all who would believe when they accept you as Lord and Savior. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to understand the story, the Christmas story, how real it is for each of us, but not only for us, but we may take the opportunity to share the gospel with others. Give us a heart, give us an attitude, give us a compassion for those who do not know you yet that we can share about the incredible gift. Amen. This morning we start on a four-part message series entitled God's Incredible Gift. Today the message is the foretelling of the gift, the foretelling how important it was found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. And of course, Esther Ann read that portion of scripture for us. First of all, the foretelling of the gift number one brings the angel Gabriel to make the announcement. Brings the angel Gabriel to make the announcement. Verses 26 through 27. Listen as I read those two verses or three verses again. I'm sorry, it's to the tw- uh, verses 26 through 28. Sorry about that. Um, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Gal- Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Angels and the role play they have within the Old Testament, the New Testament, is quite extraordinary. This is the second time that Gabriel is sent to make an announcement of the birth. The first part is in Luke chapter 1. Gabriel is sent to Zacharias and Elizabeth to tell that Elizabeth will bear a child in her old age. Incredible, how can this be? How can an old person past the bearing stage bear a child at this stage in her life? His name would be John and he would prepare the way of the Lord. He was the forerunner of the Christ. He would be preaching about him as we have already read in the scriptures. Similarly, Gabriel makes now an announcement to Mary in the same way. In his book, Every Angel in the Bible, Larry Richards gives us some enlightening information about angels. Two of the angels named in scriptures are Gabriel and Michael. The last two letters of their names, E-L, Gabriel and Michael, E-L, stand for God. The name Gabriel means strength of God, and Michael means God who is like God. The names of these two angels remind us that the most that remind us that most angels are wonderful creatures who are close to the Lord and reflect his own desire to do us good. These are the ones, the ministering spirits that God sent. But there's a dark side to the first angel we meet in the scriptures. We know him as Satan or the devil, and he is the one of the four persons on the scene as Genesis begins. God who created the universe, Adam and Eve, human beings shaped by God in his image, and Satan, an intruder, an angel with an attitude. And yes, an angel with an attitude. How can one be created by God who was perfect in every way and who was at the highest point that God in heaven uh, that he served? And he did the unthinkable. He sinned and went against God. How can that be in a perfect environment, being created perfect? But it happened. 
Through this fallen angel named Lucifer, Lucifer, he tempted Adam and Eve to sin, and they fell for it, literally. They fell for it. Since then, all mankind has been born with a sinful nature. We can see this clearly in the place where Gabriel was sent to make his great announcement. Where was he sent? To Nazareth. Nazareth. Gabriel was sent to a small community of several thousand people. Its name was Nazareth. The sad part about Nazareth was that it was not the center of Jewish culture. But on the other hand, most of the city's population was Gentile. It ended up serving other idols and serving man and everything else, but not God. That's why later on in Jesus' ministry, when Philip found Nathanael and told him that they had found the Messiah, Jesus the Nazarene, Nathanael responded by saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? or out of Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? And that only stands to reason because the Jewish culture at that time stayed away from that wicked, evil city because it had such a bend towards sin. Gabriel makes his way to a virgin named Mary and says to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This can be taken to two extremes, and we see that. First, some see that Mary and her position is so important and that she is even the one who intercedes between us and Jesus and God. But nothing can be farther from the truth. She is an ordinary person. And at the same time, we can go to the other extreme, just thinking, well... Mary really was just nothing special, and she was just an ordinary sinner. Well, she was an ordinary sinner like us, but we think that she was not a person of integrity, of holiness. When we find out in the scripture, she found a place of favor in God's sight because she lived a life that was holy unto the Lord. She wasn't holy simply because she was a holy person, but in fact that she followed the scriptures. Mary is an ordinary person like anyone following the Lord, but she was chosen because she walked upright before the Lord. However, although she was the Lord's mother, she also needed a savior. And we all need a savior today. What do we know about Mary? In Jewish culture, women married young. Mary was probably in her teens. She was engaged to Joseph from Nazareth, and not only did Joseph's lineage come from the line of David, but also Mary's lineage came from the line of David. However, Joseph isn't the child's father, but it is God who is. That is why Gabriel is sent to Mary to make this incredible starting, startling announcement. This leads us to the second reason for the foretelling of the gift. Number two brings comfort with a promise, verses 29-33. The foretelling of the gift brings comfort with a promise, Verses 29 through 33. Verse 29 says this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you, will, you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary was greatly troubled, the scriptures tell us. Surprised, perplexed and afraid. Why would an angel be coming to her of all people? 
By her response, Mary never thought of herself as any different or better than anyone else. On the contrary, she was a humble person, and she was surprised with what was taking place. Gabriel tells her not to be afraid to calm Mary's fears and to put her at ease. Then the angel begins to unfold the plan for her to bear the son of the Most High. Yes, of the Most High. Since Mary was found favor with God, she would carry a child and give birth to the son, and his name would be Jesus. Jesus is the Greek name equivalent to the Hebrew name Jeshua or Joshua. It means Savior, and according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus will save his people from their sins. That's why he came. He came to save his people from their sins. The reason why Jesus can save people from their sins is that God, that he is God. Gabriel confirms Jesus' deity when he says that he is the son of the Most High. Also, Jesus' humanity is confirmed because Mary is his mother. Therefore, Jesus is entirely God and entirely man at the same time. And you and I can't understand that. Can we? No. The answer is we can't because God is God and we are not. And there's some things about God we may never understand even throughout all eternity. Another wonderful promise God would fulfill to David is in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the whole chapter 7 that a king from David's line would sit upon the throne forever. Indeed, Jesus is that king. And Mary's lineage is from the line of David. That's why he has come from the line of David. Both Elizabeth and Mary had a miraculous conception, but were extremely different. Elizabeth was old and past her bearing stage when the angel Gabriel told her that she would have a baby. But she and Zachariah had been trying all this time all their lives. If she couldn't have children when she was young, what chance would there be for her would she have when she was in her 70s? So it took the act of God, a miracle for Elizabeth and Zachariah to conceive because of their age. It was a miracle. This now brings us to the third reason, the foretelling of the gift. Number three brings further understanding of how the event will unfold. Verses 34 through 38. Before we look at 34 through 38, let's take a look at Zachariah's response when Gabriel told him the announcement that he and Elizabeth would conceive a child. What was his response? It's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Listen as I read those three verses. Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time." Close quote. Think about that. Wow. Zachariah received a gentle rebuke of being made silent until his child would be born, because he did not believe. Here an angel appeared to him from, Abel, from, from heaven, and he is in disbelief. He's not believing it. I'm sure he must have thought, how can two old people 
have a child. It is impossible. It's too good to be true. It can't be true. But it was true. And he was silent until the child was born. Notice Mary's response in verse 34 now of Luke chapter 1. Mary asks the question, how will this be since I am a virgin? This is not a question of unbelief, but rather how this will all unfold. Mary believed the angel, but she just wanted to know how this would happen. She had no relations with Joseph, yet she was going to bear a child. She knew she was a virgin. How would she have a child if she had no relationship with a man? Listen to what the angel tells her then. At verse 35 and forward, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. What would happen would be a miracle of God because the Holy Spirit would come upon her. Although Joseph is betrothed to her and he would be considered the earthly father, God, the heavenly father, would be his father, but would be physical. There is no doubt that there would be those who would think that Mary had committed fornication. Even Joseph, when he found out, he wanted to put her away secretly. He wanted to divorce her because he thought when she became pregnant, she had relations with someone else. The angel made it clear the angel made it clear to point out that the child would be that the child she would be carrying would be the Holy One, and that he would be called the Son of God. He was spotless, he was the spotless Son of God, and according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, but you will know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. There is no sin. And Jesus bore our sins and he became sin when he hung on the cross and all of our sin was laid upon him. To encourage Mary, Gabriel tells her that Elizabeth, her aged relative, is six months pregnant. Six months pregnant. Elizabeth was past her bearing stage, but, is, but it is clearly pointed out that nothing is impossible with, with God. I want you to think about that. Nothing is impossible with God. Do we still believe that nothing is impossible with, with God? Are all things impossible? We talk about the incredible gift. Was it really possible that God would send his only son into the world to die for us so that we could have eternal life? Is it really possible that we're going to live forever? Is it possible that this world is not the end? It's only a rehearsal for the next stage. Is it possible that we will dine together in the house of God and we will fellowship? 
Is it possible that we will live forever and ever? And the answer, it is possible and it will happen. It will happen because of the incredible gift. And the incredible gift cannot be purchased. It's without merit and it's without working for it. The incredible gift is what God has done for you and I on the cross. But it started back with the birth with Jesus coming into the world, becoming a man, walking in our footsteps, being obedient to his heavenly Father, then suffering and dying for us on the cross. So the incredible gift is God sending his Son into the world. Let me repeat that quote that I quoted to you before um, from Jim George, Know your Bible from A to Z. It is through Jesus' death on the cross, apart from our good works, that we are saved from an eternity apart from God. And it is only through Jesus that we can have eternal life. God, God's offer of salvation is an incredible gift because it is undeserved. Today, if you have made that decision, you have. If you've made that decision, you have that incredible gift. And if you haven't, you can make that decision and to accept it and receive it by faith. What a wonderful God we serve as we enter the Christmas season to look at how he foretold the gift that was coming about the incredible gift. For a closing song, it's number 191 in your hymnal, Crown Him with Many Crowns. We will sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Then Pastor Dean will come do the benediction. We'll sing the fourth after the benediction. Please stand. Paul writes this, Jude 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, 
Amen. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we can come into your house where we can worship you. Thank you for the opportunity of taking of the Lord's Supper. Help us to remember that we are washed only by your blood and we are unworthy of ourselves to come before you. But when we have been covered with your righteousness, we can approach the throne with boldness, knowing that you have paid the price and we are perfect before you. I pray now, go with us into the rest of this week. May we live this week for you with Jesus at the forefront in everything we do and say. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.